Hey, I'm Mike. And this year, thanks to Metro, nothing's getting between me and my holidays. As a rideshare driver, I know a thing or two about going the extra mile. And Metro's helping me go even further. Metro covered the switching fees and gave me and the family high-speed data for only $25 a line for four lines. Plus, we scored four free Galaxy phones from Metro just for switching. Now, we can all get in the holiday spirit streaming our favorite tunes and ring in the new year over video chat with family and friends. You work hard. Switching to Metro isn't. This season, there's zero fees to switch. And right now, enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just $25 a line for four lines, plus four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. I'm Mike, and that's how I rule my holiday with Metro. Plus device sales tax with eligible port in a no T-Mobile service in past 180 days. One phone per line while supplies last. If new line deactivates, all lines lose four-line promo rate. Additional terms apply. Limited time offer. See Metro by T-Mobile.com. Hey gals, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in one more time to Working Gals Guide. I am your host, Simran. As you know, I am really happy that you're here. Today's episode is a tad different because typically, as you know, I sit here and interview an incredible guest and let them talk, talk, talk. But today is a bit different. I am actually going to be doing some talking as well. Today, I have a co-host an episode with my friend Lauren, who is from New York. She works at Condé Nast. She's a real girl boss. So some of her work has been in places like Vogue, Bon Appetit, GQ, Wired. I mean, those names alone, incredible. What more can I say? So Lauren and I co-host today's episode. She's also cross-posting this episode on her podcast, which is Rookies in the Real World, I hope you do tune in to her podcast as well. It's a really great one. I love listening to it as well. So today's episode is all about us chatting about the six top lessons that we learned after our first year of work in corporate America slash our first year of work post-graduation from college and university. So I really do feel like it was a milestone for both of us to hit this one-year mark or 12 months done, and we did take some time to reflect on what we learned. Things that we really felt like we excelled at that really made us stand out as employees in our first year, but also some of the challenges that we faced, some of the things that we did wrong personally, that we felt the fact that we could actually reflect on those challenges and say, hey, we did this wrong, we could have done this better, and here's what we want to pass on to you listeners to hopefully not do wrong when you actually go into the workforce. We give you all sorts of tips, and Lauren is so insightful. She is such a girl boss, like I said. Anyone who's working at Condé at her age, you can only imagine is really just one smart cookie. So we each bring three lessons to the table. So three plus three is six lessons total. And we chat about that throughout the episode. I really hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did. I really loved recording it because as you do know, I don't usually chat too much on the podcast, but today I really got a chance to share my experiences and share my knowledge as well. And I hope you do if you are someone who has been working for a couple of years or just finished your first year as well, really do identify with some of the lessons that we're bringing to the table and really go ahead and reflect on your work experience as well and pull out some lessons you personally learned. For anyone that is really entering the workforce right now or is maybe just a couple of weeks or a couple of months in, I hope some of the lessons that we talked about today were actually things that you're able to carry forward with you and things that you can apply to your job as well. All right, so if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Working Gals Guide. Also, of course, rate, re- review, and subscribe. 
Lauren's information is in our podcast notes, so go ahead and check that out. Without further ado, here is today's wonderful, wonderful episode with Lauren Lapid. When we were messaging back and forth before this, you said it was a crazy day at work. And are you done for today? Or you're still going to have to log on to work afterwards and finish Ooh. things up. <laughs> Question, Simran. Hopefully, I am done for the day. It's been just a crazy couple of weeks at work, crazier than normal. But you know, I'm very happy to still be employed and fortunate, you know, to have a job still. So I can't really complain. But mm-hmm. you know, just general craziness, and I think also working from home. Um, it's just, there's less of a separation between like work life and your personal life. So I just feel like I've been working more than normal anyway. What about you? Yeah, I feel the same way to be honest. I mean, like my desk is right in my room. So it's kind of the worst setup ever because I like roll over and I just look at my desk and I'm like, oh my gosh, I could totally log in right now and just get some work done. And I sometimes forget to turn off my computer so I can hear it dinging at night when emails are coming in, which is like the worst sound ever. That's like anxiety inducing. Literally. And like, I'm like, oh my gosh, what if it's urgent? I better check, get up, check, go back to bed. It's the worst. I I don't know how to stop myself. I have no control. It's crazy. (laughs) No, I'm the same though. I'll like... I have my work email hooked up to my phone and I have to like remind myself if I get an email at like 9 p.m., don't look at it. Otherwise, it'll just stress me out. But I know. yeah, I just feel like generally people are feeling so much more like open about like sending after hours, like emails and everything since we're all at home. But it's just hard because you have to like still kind of manage the separation between like work and like relaxing. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Right. And I feel like it's hard too because you can't see when people are working. So I'm not sure what you guys use, but we use Slack. So I'll log on, maybe, you know, just to check something. Let's just say at 9 p.m. I see three people from my team on Slack, online, doing whatever, which is fine. But then at the same time, I have to remind myself, maybe they had an appointment during the day. Maybe they took off like three hours during the day. And that's why they're online right now. But then also part of me is like, I need to work right now because they're working and I want to be on the feed and this and that. So it's like you said, a really hard separation. It's hard to draw that line in the sand, to be honest. I agree. And I think especially given how young we are in the workforce, like we don't want to fall behind, but also like we sh- we've only had about like a year to figure things out. And then our entire, like what we thought of as a work was kind of uprooted. So I think we're in a very unique position right now. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of a good segue into today's topic, to be honest, which is three things we learned during our first year of work. We're both, I think, in a great place in terms of just hitting our year mark and just beyond a year mark now. And I feel like you've done so well in your first year. I remember you coming onto my podcast, telling me about your story. I listen to your podcast, so I hear everything you're doing, and I'm just in awe of everything you've accomplished. And I can't wait to listen to your three lessons. And P.S. listeners, we have not told each other our three lessons. So everything is new that you're hearing right now. Real reactions, real hot takes. Oh my gosh. And you are are so kind for saying all of those things. I'm super excited for you to come on to Rookies because I don't think you give yourself enough credit because you you bring on all of these super cool guests. 
but you're also doing so many really cool things. And I think you are so well-spoken and accomplished. So for the rookie listeners, why don't you introduce yourself and tell them what you're about? Perfect. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for the compliments. Why don't we just scrap this idea and just compliment each other for like an hour? (laughs) (laughs) I'd love that. Um, But for real, no, thank you for having me. So my name is Simran Perhar. I am from Vancouver, British Columbia, which is in Canada. So on the West Coast, not too far from Seattle, to be honest, if you haven't been to the area. So very similar landscape to that. Vancouver is a tech hub and I studied business, but I went into tech and software after school. I got my job actually while I was still, um, you know, I was actually still in school when I had my job. So I spent my last two weeks of finals actually also working, which is a little bit crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it worked out because, you know, during finals period, you're actually able to just study all day long and then take your test, whatever day the test is, because classes aren't really happening. So I was working during the day trying to figure out our software, our product, my new role, my first time working in my real like grown up job, I guess you could say, and also going to school. So I started work, um, you know, last year, the end of June, early July. And yeah, it's been about a year now, a year and a month or so. So I've loved working at the company I do. Uh, it's called Media Valet. It's a smaller tech company based in Vancouver. Um, In terms of my actual role, it does combine the business side of what I studied, but also with a little bit of a tech side as well, because I did study a little bit of computer science. So my role is very similar to project management. Um, I work with businesses, um, you know, that we sell to and I implement our software for them and I get them trained and set up and I manage their project for them. Great job, very people-facing, which I absolutely love because I get to talk to people and build relationships all day long, and that is really my bread and butter, to be honest. Yeah. And (laughs) thank you so much. And let's pass it over to you. So I'm sure everyone that's listening from the Working Gal side has, you know, listened to your episode, but just in case, do you want to give your intro as well? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Where to begin? Well, hi, everybody. I'm Lauren, and I am a graphic designer and content creator right now based out of New York City, and my 9 to 5 is a digital design role for Condé Nast Entertainment, so I work to support brands like Vogue, GQ, Bon Appetit, Wired, and since I work in the video studio, I get to help brand our different video series, work on different advertising assets, but I also do some product design and some user experience research. So it's really cool. I get to touch a lot of different aspects of design. Um, but when I'm not doing work for Condé, I'm actually a freelance design lead for Aesthetic Marketing, which is a small boutique marketing agency that focuses on excelling startups. So I'm a creative lead there. So I do a lot of motion graphics, social media posts. I do a lot of web design and brand packages. And so, yeah, pretty much every hour of my day is consumed doing something creative, whether it's my nine to five, whether it's my freelance job or it's podcasting. So I feel like that's pretty much who I am in a nutshell. I'm just always doing something creative. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I also graduated last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like you're, like you said, every hour is occupied, but you're always being productive. Like that is the crazy thing. You, it doesn't seem like you have downtime. Like, do you watch TV ever? No. Oh my goodness. I'm so bad about it. I've had a TV. I got a TV for Christmas actually. And I, I think I've used it maybe four or five times because I just... 
I just don't have the time, which Mm -hmm. is kind of sad, but I'm trying to be better about it. I'm trying to bake in more time for myself to just chill because I think that's something I personally am trying to work on like being better about is like giving myself time to decompress and not being productive every hour of the day, Mm -hmm. but work in progress. I know. I feel you. I feel you. Sometimes it's hard to just slow down because I'm sure you feel the same way, but if you take some you time or I guess some me time, it almost feels like, okay, in the back of my head, I keep thinking about all the things I could be doing and I'm seeing the other things other people are doing and it's almost like, okay, hold on. Maybe I should be doing something right now. And it's almost like you take this me time, but then it doesn't even turn into me time because you're stressed out. (laughs) I am. No, I am a hundred percent the same way. And it's, it's so hard because like I'm always, it's like the opposite of FOMO instead of like missing out on like fun things or catching up on a TV show. I'm like, Oh, but I could be working on this or I could be improving Mm -hmm. that. And it's like, we need to untrain that. Oh my God. Because it's so important, important to have personal time. We're like the same person. <laughs> we suffer from the same disease. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but we both suffer. Um, well, thank you for the intro. I am pumped. I feel like we're a powerhouse together. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let, why don't we hop into our lessons? Um, I feel like we have some good ones coming up. I'm so excited to hear yours. And I can't wait for you to comment on the ones that I brought as well. And I'm sure that there's some overlap somewhere. So yeah, let's see how it goes. Hit me with one. Go. All right. So my first one is attitude is absolutely everything. And I mean this from the day that you're interviewing, the first phone call that you get from the company where they screen you for personality to, you know, actually walking in for your first time, starting your first day of work, when you are given projects, when you're given these challenges at work, your attitude is absolutely everything. You need to be positive enthusiastic, you know, a self-starter, you need to be helpful, you need to be warm and really bring some personality to the table Mm -hmm. because ultimately they're looking for a culture fit. And that's again, beyond the interview process. That's actually when you're working as well. Honestly, attitude rubs off on everyone. So that's definitely my first lesson. I really feel thankful that I walked in with a good attitude and I tried to maintain it, you know, from day one. And I feel like it really has gotten me places and I've seen people around me with great attitudes and it's taken them places as well. So that's definitely my first lesson. Oh, I love that. I a hundred percent agree because also in terms of growth, I feel like a lot of growth is getting more responsibilities given to you. And a lot of that means working with other people. And if you have a poor attitude, nobody's going to want to work with you. So that kind of would inhibit your growth. So I completely agree. I feel like having an attitude kind of helps build a positive reputation around yourself. And that is so important to excel like in any field Mm -hmm. is like having people know you and like you and want to work with you. Attitude is 100% everything in that regard. I totally agree. Yeah, especially being so young in the workforce. Sometimes you don't have a ton of hard skills to bring to the table. Obviously, you don't have a ton of experience to bring to the table. And one of the things that people will kind of latch on and judge you by is your attitude. And like you said, if someone's going to bring up an extra project or bring up an extra initiative, you should be willing and happy and super positive if it's assigned to you. Or you should just go after it. Because honestly, like you said, that's how you get ahead. That's how you actually rise up in the workforce. And that's really how people learn your name, to be honest, is when you do bring that good attitude. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You know, I totally agree. And I mean, I think we can all think of somebody that we've, that we currently work with or have worked with before that you just like never wanted to work with because they like, they just didn't have a good attitude. And my thing is like, I never want to be that person that people don't look forward to working with because of an attitude. So I feel like I do work hard to maintain, no matter how stressed I am to maintain like a very positive and like upbeat attitude with people. Yeah. And just like a level-headed attitude too, because, you know, you're going to have bad days, whether the bad day comes from a work setting or it's a social thing or a personal thing that's going on in your life. Like you are going to have those days where you may feel it kind of creeping up on you, where you're having that kind of negative Mm -hmm. mindset almost kind of seep through. And really it's about harnessing that, understanding that, okay, that's fine that I'm feeling this way, but I can't deal with it and let it out right now. I need to be able to compose myself and then move on and be level-headed. No, that was such a good point. And I think especially for kind of like the demographic of people listening to this, we're all kind of around the same age. And I do think that having a good attitude, but also, yeah, if you're having a bad day and you might not be like the peppiest person in the room, being able to separate your personal feelings and your personal life from your work life is something that sets apart new grads and new professionals in the workforce because I feel like I have witnessed some of my peers that have also just graduated or have only been in the workforce for a year or two. And you can tell when something is going on. You can just tell that they are not having a good day. Not that anything's wrong with that, but I feel like that's a very rookie thing to just like let happen. You know, I feel like part of joining the workforce is developing that skin of being able to separate your work life from your personal life. And that's something that I have taken note of when I see people like my age who are letting that kind of negativeness seep through that I personally am very cognizant of. Like when I've obviously had a few bad days here and there is to not let it like be out front when I'm interacting with coworkers or clients. Definitely so important. Um, Well, let's hear your first one. I'm so excited. Give it Ooh, okay. So my first one is nobody cares where you went to college because oh. I feel like a lot of people, at least in the States, are so caught up with like, I need to get into Harvard or I need to get into Yale or there's so much focus around the name. But in my first year of work, I think one person has asked me where I went to school. Like nobody cares. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's like different being a creative um, in the creative industry, because I'm in an industry that's much more of what work have you done and have you done your time? Not necessarily like, what are your accolades? And so that's something I just feel like a lot of people go into the workforce, assuming like it really matters where they went to college. And I'd say once you get your first job, it really doesn't. No, I love that one. I think it's so relevant too, because it's like you said, there's only certain fields where where you go to school really matters. Like maybe if you're a lawyer or maybe a doctor and, you know, you're trying to get a job at a top firm and whatnot. But if you're in your actual job, nobody cares. If they ask, it's probably because they're curious and they want to, you know, maybe bond over the fact that they went to the same school. as Exactly. (laughs) No, exactly. That's like it for me. Yeah. And I totally agree. Even me, like working in software, working in tech, which is different than what you're doing. Nobody cares. Like all they really care about is that you're showing up, you're working hard. Mm -hmm. And that's really what they judge you based on, not where you went to school and almost building on that and expanding on that. People don't really necessarily care how great of a student you were either. 
you know, mm-hmm. you had, you know, a B plus average or a B average, they're not going to look down upon you just because you didn't have an A average or a 4.0. Like that's not what they care about. They honestly care about you in that moment and what you can bring to the table. Oh, that's such, such a good point. I just feel like so many people our age just really get caught up in their GPA. And it's like, there hasn't been a single person I've worked with that was like, so what was your GPA in college? You know, it just becomes irrelevant because you're right. It is way more of, are you a culture fit and can you get the job done? Mm -hmm. And I do feel like it kind of shows your age and how kind of like green you are to the workforce when you start at the job and you're only talking about college and you're only talking about how you graduated with like this level of honors because nobody really cares. And that's something I learned. And it's something I wrote that down because I have interacted with a lot of people my first year at work who are also young that, you know, like they would talk about college and the things that they did and they'd get a lot of like eye rolls. And so I was very cognizant to not be that girl, you know? Totally, totally. And I feel like it's almost if you feel yourself gravitating towards, okay, I need to talk about college. I'm so fixated on this. I would challenge you to really focus on extra initiatives and projects that you can kind of pour your time and effort into. Mm-hmm. Like maybe like yourself, like volunteering, um, you know, or working for something else outside of work, working for a nonprofit, um, mm-hmm. really doing your own side project, because that's really what people care about is the extra things that you're able to do. Not necessarily those those grades in the school and things like that. Exactly. I feel like they're, especially in New York, and like I love all my friends that went to NYU, but there are a lot of people that use NYU as like a personality trait. And I'm like, guys, mm-hmm. it's not a personality <laughs> trait, you know? <laughs> that's so funny. It's like, it's in my Instagram bio, and like that's all that matters. <laughs> exactly. So that's my lesson number one is that to care where you went to school after you get your first job. Yeah, I'm obsessed with that one. I totally love it. Um, Okay, so my second one is ask for extra work and ask to be involved. To be honest, if you ask, people will let you help them because everyone wants help on everything. I promise you. Not that many people want to take on absolutely everything themselves. And asking for extra work, A, shows that you like to take initiative, B, it shows that you're keen to actually learn about what other people do. For example, asking your manager for extra work. It also shows that you really care about the company and want to go above and beyond what you're actually given to do day to day. So to be honest, I feel like I've looked around at people who ask for extra work. I myself have asked for extra work. And it's how I'm given a lot of projects and how people in general are given lots of projects that really excel their career. It really shows that you're beyond your years of maturity so that is definitely my first or sorry my second lesson I love that that is so true and it's kind of like to kind of reference college here it's (laughs) like you know how like if you just do the bare minimum that's a c you know like you have to go above and beyond to do to get the b or the a and that kind of translates to your professional life because you're not going to get promoted for doing the bare minimum, you're going to get promoted by operating at the level above you. And so that is so important to ask for more work, to be a yes man when you can, and to just show an eagerness to low grow, learn, grow, and contribute. That's mm-hmm. so important. And I think that speaks so much to your character and work ethic. 
Yeah, and I would say too, if you're looking to ask for extra work, definitely go to your manager, go to people like that, of course, that are on your team. Um, ask your coworkers that maybe even are at the same level as you, but maybe have been there a bit longer. Definitely ask all those people. Also try to target other teams as well if you can. I work at a small organization, that, so it's definitely possible for me to target other teams like the marketing team, even if I don't work in marketing, um, and say, hey, I'd love to help you write a blog post. Let me know if that's possible. And the reason I would suggest that is because, first of all, I enjoy to write. And second of all, you know, like I feel like that's something I could definitely do. So really make it, you know, things that you feel like you can actually do when you're asking for extra work and make sure you go outside of your own team as well, if possible. Oh, yeah, that is such a good point, because in, in a lot of ways, that's also internal networking. And so you never know who is going to end up hiring or who is going to end up leaving and there be a vacant spot. And if you've already made these connections with other teams that you have interest in, it's an easier jump for you if you've made these connections, if you've done work for them before and you've proven that you're capable of getting the job done. It's so important. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so that was definitely my second one. Um, But yeah, let's hear your second one. Okay, so my second one is that you are going to have to manage your manager in a lot of ways. And that's something I don't think people realize especially because in college internships just function so differently from real jobs, you know, like there are these built out programs and you have mentors and it's this whole big thing. But once you enter the workforce, it's much more, and at least speaking from my experience, it's much more independent and your manager isn't going to baby you the way that most managers would baby interns. And like, it's, it's a transition that I had to make and I had to kind of like rewire my brain is that you have to level set with your manager, you need, like, sometimes, like, your manager is probably going to be too busy to remember to set up, like, quarterly reviews if your company doesn't already have those protocols. Like, I currently work at a company that doesn't have, like, a formal review system, and I told my manager three months in, I was like, I want us to meet at my six month in addition to, like, a one year, and he was like, yeah, that's awesome. Just, like, grab the time on my calendar and, like, let me know how you want to prepare, and so you just need to also tell your manager what type of work you want to do. So this kind of echoes back to Simran's second one. But if you want to work for like another team, like do another team's like project and get that experience, make those connections, your manager isn't going to assume that you want that kind of work. So he or she is not going to go out of their way to assign you that work if you don't ask. And so again, in terms of managing your manager, like manage these expectations and be communicative so that they are able to manage you in the best way possible. It's a two-way street. If you're not communicating with them, how are they supposed to know what your goals are? And then, of course, a lot of managing your manager is getting clarification because a lot of times your manager may be like one, two, three levels above where you are and have a bunch of these experiences and skills that to them feel like second nature. But to you as somebody new in the, in the workforce, it isn't. And so you have to sometimes remember to ask your manager these things. Yeah, I love that one because that didn't even cross my mind when I was thinking of, you know, things to write down for today. I like wrote down a big list and that wasn't even on there, but I feel like it's the most, almost one of the most important ones, to be honest, because the way that you interact with your manager and the way you communicate to them and the way that they really shape your role at the organization does dictate how you're going to be seen and how you do excel as well. And if you do feel like you want to beat the organization and you do want to maybe 
take a step up and, you know, transition roles and grow within the organization, they need to know that that is your goal. And the only way you can, yeah, and the only way they're going to know is not by assumption, but it's going to be by you telling them. And with that being said too, it's, it's like you said, it's about being professional about it. Okay. I'm going to set some time on your calendar. We're actually going to have a conversation about this. And I myself made a bit of a mistake. So I learned from experience on this one for sure. So I kind of sprung a conversation about growth on my current manager. And let's just say I wish I did it in a way where it was more like you did it a couple months in advance. I let them know I want to have this conversation go from there. Um, But to be honest, that's not how it happened to my experience. Um, But at the same time, I'm happy that the conversation still happened because now I'm taking steps in the right direction to get where I want to go. But with that, learn from my mistake. Don't spring it on people. You know, set out a time, talk about it, let them prep, let yourself prep and then come prepared. Um, But I definitely agree with everything that you just said. I love that entire concept of managing your manager and just communicating to them. And like you said as well, they don't know what you don't know. So you need to let them know what you want to learn, how you want to kind of gather your skills, maybe what you do understand right now, where you want to see yourself in a couple months in terms of knowledge about the company as well, and have them really mentor you in that as well. So great, great advice. Thank you. I'm so excited to hear your third lesson. Okay. All right. So my third lesson is very similar to something that you commented on my second lesson. And my third lesson is get to know people on other teams and make sure you network outside of your department. So, I mean, we already kind of touched on this one, but I do think it's extremely valuable. Don't just be a rock star within your team. Don't just be that star. Even though your manager and your coworkers will probably talk well about you to other people, you know, outside of your department because you're doing so well and you're being that rock star, it still benefits you to build those connections yourself. Network in kind of a social way, take people out to coffee or virtual coffee now, I'll put it that way. Um, (laughs) But, you know, just connect with people because day to day, you're not by nature going to be working with every single person. And it feels good to be able to walk into an organization and say, hey, I really do know a lot of these people personally, and I feel like I've built connections, you know, for a collaborative nature, for a social nature. Also, of course, like you were mentioning before, and like we were talking about, they may help you grow within the organization. They may help you obtain some of the goals you've set for yourself, and they may help you with projects and give you the ability to work on projects with them too. So I think it's so important to take those steps and get to know the other people as well. That is such a good point. It's so important. You never want to let yourself get dug into a hole or push into a corner. So the more people you have that know you in the company and are willing to vouch for you, the better. But out of curiosity, Simran, because I know there are a lot of people who, you know, might not feel as comfortable right away to like ask for coffee or to reach out. How do you normally reach out? Like what has been the most successful for you when you want to connect with other people on your team on in your company? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think the first thing I did when I first started, I was kind of connecting with people that were in departments that we worked with. So in my role, um, I sit under customer success. That's my department. But we very you know frequently interact with the product team as well as the developers and as well as the sales team. So I was reaching out to people that I kind of knew from working with them and just trying to build those closer bonds with them. 
And from there, the longer that you work at an organization, the more confident you will feel to reach out to people you don't really work with at all. And they'll hear about you, right? So then they know about you. They want to meet with you. And to be honest, people are very receptive if you work in the same organization. Don't feel like this is you reaching out to someone cold over email or cold on LinkedIn. It is not the same feeling whatsoever. It is completely different because you're together doing the same thing at the same company. So they really care about you. They're going to want to foster connections. It's going to turn out a lot differently than you might think it will in a good way for sure. And I would say the best thing to do is just, for example, if I want to reach out to someone I don't work with on a daily basis, I don't really talk to them and whatnot. I just reach out to them probably via Slack or email and say, hey, you know, I really admire what you're doing or I heard about this project you're working on. Do you want to take 30 minutes to just do coffee and, you know, just chat a bit about your role? I'd love to learn more. Leave it as simple as that. And if you get to the actual meeting and you guys only talk about TV shows and sports or whatever you're going to talk about, that's fine. It doesn't have to be such a business-based conversation, Um, although if it goes there, that's great as well. But honestly, sometimes those conversations with people that you don't know so well end up being a very social thing because you're really just trying to get to know each other on a personal level. Totally. I completely agree. And I do feel like capitalize, like your first job out of college, being so young, capitalize on that perspective while you can, because especially reaching out to like maybe some like VPs or just very high up people. For me, I would email and say like, hey, I just graduated super new to the company. I've looked up to you for like however much like amount of time. And I would love to pick your brain and hear about your journey through and through the company. And I feel like also it's kind of like using that intern glow. You know, like when you're an intern, you can get away with anything. Mm -hmm. But like when you're super new and you're super young and fresh out of college, people are even more inclined to be kind and to give you advice. And so definitely your first year, guys, like play that up as much as you can, because Mm -hmm. it definitely gives you a lot of hall passes. Yeah, I definitely agree, especially when you're really super new to the company. Like even if I feel like you're not in your first year, it's not your first job. If you're just new in general and you're saying, hey, I'm new to the company, would love to learn what the marketing team does or would love to learn what, you know, your team does. Like that's an easy way because you're so new and it's almost like that halo or that glow, like you said, the intern glow, the new person glow. And people are so willing to get to know new people, which is amazing. And people love talking about themselves. People oh really gosh. do. Yeah, I so love I, I can't imagine people saying no, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of to echo what you said earlier too about it, it can be a casual conversation. I feel like that's even better. Like when you kind of let loose, like you're having a coffee and it's so much more than just like a business meeting. Like this is you getting to know a person. And I feel like the people at work that I trust the most and work with like the most smoothly are the people that to a certain extent like I get along with them on a personal level and like I trust Mm -hmm. them and care about them on a personal level not just as like co-workers yeah definitely I mean there's been a lot of studies done where it shows the more you get to know someone and the more vulnerable they are if it just means them telling you about their kids or their hobbies or their boyfriend girlfriend whatever it is the more you really feel connected to them the more trust you feel and the better you're going to work with them so it really is worth it, to be honest, to get to know people and not go into these, you know, coffee chats or lunches or whatever you're going to do with such a like strict, um, almost outline in your mind about what you're going to talk about. It's almost like just let it flow, just have a conversation and 
just let the conversation take, you know, its own route, to be honest. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. That was such a good point. Yeah. What's your third one? I'm curious now. Okay. So I feel like we are in a generation that like we are notorious for jumping around jobs and not staying for too long. And I am guilty of having had that mindset and still kind of do to an extent. However, my third lesson is that patience and doing your time at a company is important to a certain extent. And like, what I mean by that is that sometimes it just takes time coupled with building a good rapport with your coworkers and getting, you know, like your reputation in the company built to get trusted with the really cool assignments that you actually want. You know, like you never are going to walk into a job and within three months are like working on your dream assignment or working on your dream job. Like more times than not, the first three months of you at a company is you kind of just figuring the company out, learning the lingo, learning the customs of that company and, you know, fully immersing yourself in that culture. And so for me, it wasn't until eight months in that I really was working on the kind of stuff that like I knew I wanted to work on and that were maybe above my pay grade or beyond my Um, the role that I was hired to do, but it just took time Mm -hmm. to get to a point where I was trusted with that kind of work. And so I feel like I'd be remiss um, to say that like after a year at a company, like you're good to go because I feel like a year zoomed by, I don't know about Mm -hmm. you, Simran, but this first year went by so quickly and I just feel like there's still so much left I want to accomplish before Mm -hmm. I leave. But I know so many people that will get their first job and leave right after a year. And for me, I'm just like, you know what? Like, I get it. I do. Mm-hmm. But I also finally understand my parents' perspective of like, no, like, stay at a company for a few years. Like, do your time. Mm-hmm. And I like, it's funny because I never thought I'd be that girl to say that. But like, I finally get it because it's one year in and I'm just now getting through and past the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. No, I love that advice too. And kind of interesting tidbit. I won't say who, um, but I'm sure you can infer, infer from what I'm about to say. But I had the opposite thing told to me from people very close to me. Only stay for a year. Leave after a year. Don't bother staying any later than that. And I mean, for me, like I almost went in with that mindset, but I fell in love with the company, to be honest. I didn't want to leave. And I mean, it's so hard to leave, like you said, when you're finally starting to get a lot of this big responsibility, all the big projects that you really feel like this is what I'm actually here to do this is where I want to spend my time. And it's almost like once you're given a little bit more responsibility, it's almost, you know, it's hard to leave because you almost remember how hard it's going to be starting at a new company and having to start from ground level, especially being so new to the workforce, having your second job, let's just say at 25, you're not going to be much different than you were at 24 or 23 starting at your first job, to be honest. It's a bit different if you are a bit older, you've worked a bit longer, you head to a new company, they're obviously going to give you a lot more responsibility right off the bat. But when it comes to being so young and so new, you know, unfortunately, it's just how life works in a lot of ways. And it's how a lot of companies are built. It's like the younger you are, the more junior you are, you're not going to get as much responsibility. So if you can build yourself a great brand, like personal brand, um, and just a great reputation at the company that you're currently at, you're really going to be able to excel there. And I think staying for a couple of years is a great idea because you get to pave those paths for yourself and really build up a lot, you know, in terms of accolades. And like we're mentioning right now, being able to make big impacts at a young age. I agree. And it's, 
I'm so glad you said that, you know, like when you started a new job, you're kind of back to square one mm-hmm. because yeah, when you are in a junior level role, I feel like it's, it's almost like not quite an exponential curve, but it's like, it's a slow start. But then once you start getting more and more responsibilities, it compounds quicker. And so for me, I just feel like leaving after one year isn't worth it because then you, you do start at ground zero mm-hmm. again. Whereas even if you stay for two years, you know, and like, maybe you get one promotion or like some sort of a title bump, but at least in those two years, you get to say that I accomplished X, Y, and Z. When you are applying to new jobs, you can apply for a more senior role. Whereas if you leave after one year, what, like, how much have you really accomplished? Like how, how big of a wave did you really make in one year when the first six months of that year was you trying to figure out how to adult in the workforce to begin with? And that's something I, I'm, I'm, I learned and I was stubborn about it. I was that person. I was like, I'll stay for a year and then peace out and find something better. And then I realized six months in, oh God, it took me six months to even feel comfortable in this role, Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Patience is a virtue. It totally is. And it's hard to have sometimes because a lot of times we are given immediate results with certain things in life and work sometimes is not one of them. But to your point as well, I mean, you know, if you do go and apply for places after a year, they're probably going to ask you, why are you leaving after a year? And you better have a good answer is all I'm yeah. going to say. <laughs> it Especially better be a really good answer. You, they're from the generation that is used to people staying for more than a year. So that's like such a good point. You need a good answer of why you're jumping ship super early. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, within your own organization, there may be reasons why you do need to leave after a year. If it's, you know, a negative work environment and all of that, we're not really, you know, alluding to that. We're just alluding to the fact that, you know, it really is common to leave an organization pretty quick. As a millennial, I would say part of this generation, I mean, I see it with people I know, and I'm sure you see it a bit as well. And you know, like, what are you leaving for, to be honest, if you're able to, you know, again, pave your own path and really work on amazing projects and, you know, just feel comfortable, like you said, in the organization and just doing what you need to do in terms of your day-to-day role, sometimes it's a good idea to stay and just kind of, kind of almost work your way up from that position. See if you can get a promotion, whether it be salary promotion or role promotion, and then reevaluate your options. Exactly. Reevaluate. That is such a good word because at my six months, I was like, okay, if in one year I don't see the growth, like I don't see a path to the growth that I want in the next year, then at that one year, I will probably begin looking for other jobs. But my one year is next month. And just thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I have been able to do X, Y, and Z. And I've finally made connections with so-and-so. And so I stepped back and reevaluated and realized like, nope, there's, there's still lessons to be had and things for me to accomplish here. And I know that there is a path that I worked hard to carve out for me to do those things. And so it, it just feels like I would just be erasing a year of networking and working hard and building this reputation by leaving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think as well, kind of along with reevaluate is just being able to be flexible. Um, And I think, you know, if you are, you know, three, four, five, six months in, you still feel this feeling like you want to leave after a year. I think it then goes back. Yeah. And to be honest, I think it then goes back to one of your points, which was manager, manager, have a conversation Mm -hmm. with them. If it's a good company, you want to be there. You just maybe aren't happy with where you are have a conversation with your manager, you know, manager, manager, and 
and say, hey, once I do hit a year, I want to be in this spot and let them really help you and mentor you to get there. And maybe you're going to change your mind. You never know. I completely agree. That's such a good point. It's like, I feel like doing the Irish goodbye and just like leaving right away is never a good way to part with the company. I think you should broach the conversation of growth and whatever it is you want to achieve with your manager first to see if they could help make it happen before you leave. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. I mean, and if you leave too, there's also a lot of you know, maybe negative outfall that might happen in terms of they might be like, why are you leaving? You left us in the dust. You didn't tell us. We didn't know it was a bad work environment for you and whatnot. So it's better to almost really, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's in terms of, you know, trying to set goals and have conversations with the right people before you actually make a decision just for your own purposes moving forward for networking and whatnot. Yeah. And you know what I've noticed too, even in applying to jobs, like, and for this role, I had to give them three references in order to get hired. And each of those references had to fill out a quick questionnaire about me and reasons why I left the company. And so for me, luckily, since this was my first job, those three bosses that they contacted, it was because they were internships with set end dates. And they were able to say, oh, it's just because of her contract. Like she was great. Like nothing, there was nothing wrong when she left. And so I do think it's so important to cross all your T's, dot all your I's, because no matter what, the next job you go to, they're going to ask you why you left your previous job and they're going to double check Mm -hmm. with HR or your manager to see if you left on good terms. I totally agree. I mean, so many important lessons were just said. I'm happy that we got to do this together as well, because I think I was learning from you telling me your Oh, I learned so much from you. Yeah, I mean, I love chatting with you. I feel like we need to do more episodes together. Maybe, I feel like we do just need to do like a wine happy hour mm-hmm. together. I, I agree. We, need, we deserve that. <laughs> no, I know. And once the pandemic's over, I'm going to New York. So everyone listening that's from New York, I will be coming eventually. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't realize this. I'm sorry to cut you off, but my older sister lives in Washington State. I should just take like our road trip up to visit you oh at some gosh. point, you know, when like the borders reopen, but like, who knows? Oh my gosh, that'd be so fun. And I have family in Seattle too. So oh if I'm down there and you happen to be there, um, we yeah. can definitely meet up. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that everyone's going to want to find you and rookies. So let us know where, where they can find you. Yes. So my personal Instagram, if you want to connect with me on a personal level, is laurenlapid.jpg. I'm sure it'll be linked in the show notes. And our podcast is at Rookies in the Real World. And I mean, if you want to connect on LinkedIn, I love connecting with our listeners on LinkedIn. I think it's so much fun. I love answering questions on LinkedIn. And so you could just look me up, Lauren Lapid. I'm the only one. But yep, that is me. So how can our listeners find you? Okay, so I have um, Working Gals Guide as my podcast, so you can find us on all different streaming platforms. Just look up Working Gals Guide. Um, Also on Instagram, at Working Gals Guide. I recently resurrected a personal Instagram, so if you want to, you can definitely reach out. It's simran.p, which again, is probably going to be in the show notes, so you can just find it there. Um, Kind of funny story, though. I know we're about to end, but people are always like, is this a real account? Because... I just started it again. So they're like, why do you have like no followers? And why do you have (laughs) somebody made a fake account for you? Oh my God. I'm like, this is like so embarrassing. People think I'm like a catfish, but okay. (laughs) No, not a catfish. (laughs) Not a catfish. So 
if you find my Instagram, it's not a catfish. It's actually me. <laughs> we are certified. We are, this yeah. is real. Yeah, there we go. Well, this has been so much fun. I hope you really have a great night in New York. I hope there's no more storms tonight because that's crazy. It was such an insane storm last night for you. Um, but yeah, let's chat soon. I'm so excited for our next episode together or our next girl with that together. I'm so glad we got to do this collab. Thank you. You work hard. Switching to Metro isn't. This holiday, there's zero fees to switch. Right now, get high-speed data for just 25 bucks a line for four lines. That's Metro's lowest price, period. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your holiday. Plus device sales tax with eligible port in a no T-Mobile service in past 180 days. One phone per line while supplies last. If new line deactivates, all lines lose four-line promo rate. Additional terms apply. Limited time offer. See Metro by T-Mobile.com.